Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hammered Sports Lounge on a Wednesday night in uh, late June. Beautiful outside here in western New York today, eh, Tom? Absolutely uh, gorgeous outside. A packed program tonight, which is really nice to say because <laughs> we went so long here, three-plus months of struggling for content, trying to figure out what we're going to go over. Um, well, tonight we're back at it. Hot and heavy, I would say. How about you, Tom? Yeah, this is uh, the most excited I've been for a show in a while. I'm going to dabble in quite a few different sports with actual news and events. It's going to be great. Yeah, Tom, give us a quick rundown of what we're looking at tonight. Uh, we're going to recap last weekend, uh, PGA and UFC. We're going to talk a little bit about baseball being back, which Kevin and I are very excited about. Uh, we're going to preview this weekend's UFC, this weekend's PGA. Um, then we're going to play Name This Player. I'm on the hot seat tonight. And then we're going to preview the Pac-12 as we start our college football preview sessions here. Yeah, I'm very excited about that, as everybody here I'm sure has heard that college football is my favorite. It's my forte. It's what I look forward to most of any sport. I, I never felt that way until the last mm, probably three or four years. Um, now college football just dominates my weekends, and, and you know, really it goes through the whole week, um, oftentimes with games on Tuesday, Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday, and it's just the fall is just so amazing. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely need college football in our lives this year. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, let's kick it off, Tom. Uh, talk about a little bit about what we saw last weekend in the we're going PGA event first, right? Yeah. Um, so the PGA event was great. Um, some of the the golf I saw was was just so so good, it was so competitive right down the end. Um, Webb Simpson pulling away, but a lot of guys in contention towards the end, and uh, especially going into into Sunday, there was what, yeah. four guys uh, at the top and sixteen something guys within three strokes. To start the day, it was it was great. Yeah, it led to a really fun Sunday. But uh, one of our selections that we gave last week in Webb Simpson came out on top. Uh, his game fit the course perfectly, and uh, I'm glad to, to say that uh, we were kind of on top of that one. And, and the style of player we talked about is exactly what you saw there. It, it's really horses for courses in the, in the game of golf. It's all about how guys fit that golf course and, yeah. and whether or not it's going to be a good fit for them each week. Uh, so, you know, Simpson – he was just steady, he just yep. rock steady the entire weekend. Yeah, he played played really well on Saturday, and then on Sunday, just when a lot of guys were in the contention, it seemed like he was the one to step up the last nine holes and really take it take it away. Yeah, um, I think he birdied four of the of six holes in the not uh, the back nine to get himself the lead, and then par par to end it just to hold everyone off. And you know, Simpson is now one of the top five players in the world, so. He's slept on a lot because he's not one of the big bombers. He's not one of the big recognizable names. Sure. Uh, but this is a guy that can play some serious golf, and it was uh, it was nice to see him win. And, and you know, he's a really wholesome guy. He's yeah, the, five kids. Yeah, five kids. Winning know. on Father's Day. Yeah, <laughs> deep, uh, deep Christian. He, he shares a lot of his his. Um, he, he's just known as a very kind man around the around the PGA Tour. So. Really nice to see somebody like that having as much success as he's having. No controversy surrounding Webb Simpson, typically. No, not at all. Uh, UFC. Um, so, unfortunately, there was a bit of a lackluster main card uh, out of the fights. Only one of them did not go the distance. Four of the five went to distance. 
uh, Jim Miller being the only one that didn't with a, a submission right at the end of the round one. Um, just a lot of uh, a lot of going the distance. It was crazy with Blades and Volkov. I didn't think that fight was going five rounds at all. Yeah, um, going into it, but just Blades fought like he was afraid of the striking game with Volkov. It's probably which, smart. Yeah, I mean, if you just want the win, then then it's smart. But yeah. Dana White has said since then he was unimpressed with the performance. He said. You know, if you're going to talk all that shit during the week and then hold a guy down for five rounds, that's not what we're looking for. Um, even though that technique was certainly successful, yeah. there are guys who have evolved from that that are great at doing that, but also great at, you know, being aggressive once they get guys on the ground. Sure, and I think he normally is. Yeah. I mean, we, we, you look at his record, he has a ton of knockouts, both on the ground and standing. It's just that fight, um, him taking it to the ground, favored him so that that and Volkov just did a great job of keeping him at bay and that's kind of how it was on the ground yeah yeah. he just kind of kept them at bay he'd get a couple you know pitter patter shots but he wasn't able to land that big strike and Volkov just wasn't able to get any kind of submission and Blades looked in danger at times in the fourth and fifth round he was gas at the end sure his interview was hilarious he could barely catch his breath uh yeah for the interview, but again, I mean, this is a guy who is next in line for the title shot after Nagano gets his title shot. Um, yeah, I, I'm not excited for another Nagano Blades fight. Though, yeah, the, you know, the trilogy. It, if you get a guy that can stuff the takedown, Blades is not a match for some of these guys at the top. You yeah. know, it feels like to me, guys like Stipe, Cormier, and Nagano separated themselves very much from Blades at this point. Yeah, the, this heavyweight division has always been a lot of fun because of the the ability for the knockouts, right? Um, I think we've seen in the last few years that they're, they're missing some of these young up-and-comers in that division. You know, it seemed like for a minute maybe Greg Hardy was going to be that guy. He's kind of fizzled out with some uh, lackluster performances. Um, you know, they really are in need of a new, charismatic, fun heavyweight. Um, I was hoping, still hoping, that maybe John Jones will fill that in and give us a bevy of fun fights um, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah, everything with John Jones is always so up in the air. You just don't know what's going to yeah. happen with him, and it's um, you know he was he was having the back and forth with uh, Paulo Costa this week. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, so we'll see what happens. Oh man, I would there. love to see that fight. That would be a great fight. It would be it, so much fun. Yeah, and especially if Costa comes out on top in in uh, his next performance yeah. here, you know. So absolutely, if, if you can, he's a fun fun watch. Yeah, explosive, crazy. Looks like he's he's the prototypical build for what you would think of as a he's mixed martial arts yeah. fighter, right? He's a thick individual, an explosive. Yes, he carries the um, explosivity of uh, a guy like Yoel Romero. Yeah, he reminds uh, me of uh, Vitor Belfort. Yeah, uh, thinking the phenom. Probably easy comparison, both Brazilian or whatever. But it really that's what he makes me think of. Just a physical freak who, when he's on and he gets you, it just. There's nothing you can do. It's over. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's some there's some good stuff coming up a couple of weeks down the line yet. We'll um, and we'll talk more about <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, but we've got a fight card this week that we'll detail later in the program tonight. But first, we're too excited baseball. not to jump right into baseball, right? Yes. This baseball's is, back. And, Tom, give me a rundown of what we're going to see, how it's going to appear for us. All right. So, baseball's back. Spring training with quotation marks in the air, starts uh, July 1st. 
Um, the opening of the regular season is going to be the weekend of July 24th. They're saying they might start a couple games on the 23rd. Uh, but 23rd, 24th is when you'll see it start. Uh, there's going to be 60 games played. Each team is going to play 40 in their division and 20 interleague games against the same division. So the my Braves in the NL East will play 40 games in against NL East opponents and 20 games against the AL East, again, trying to minimize travel because these guys are going to play in their own stadiums, um, not like NHL and M- NBA who are going to one location and just that's where they're going to be. Baseball is going to play in their stadiums. Um, we'll see what that looks like as far as fans go. Sounds like it's going to be up to each state and uh, franchise to make those decisions. A uh, couple new rule changes for it. Uh, there's going to be a DH in both leagues, so the NL is having a DH uh, implemented this season. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that works and who that kind of favors. And then uh, a fun one that they've played with in the minor leagues, every inning and extra innings, they're going to start with a runner on second base. Um, so both teams, when they're up, will have a runner on second. Uh, again, they're trying to limit how long some of these games go. You've got a condensed season. Yep. You've got to kind of limit. You can't have those 16 and 17 inning games when guys are playing nine straight days. Yeah. It's just it's too much of a disadvantage for those teams. So if you can move those along, not saying it's still not feasible, but you know you're, you're much more likely to have scoring right. and and end those games in a in a much quicker fashion. And you're much more likely to have um, larger innings, right? If you got a guy at second to start, you're much more likely to get two or three runs instead of just the one run where the next team gets a guy on, bunts him over, hits the sack fly, and we're tied up again. You know, I'm interested to see the caveats in that rule as far as who can go to second. Is it anybody that's, yeah, is that's it, in the game, or is it the most recent out? Yep. Or you know, some of those things could certainly play a factor because if I'm as a Cubs fan, if uh, Rizzo is the one that made the last out of the previous inning and he's the one going to second, it's not the same as having somebody like uh, a base stealer, you know, a Tony sure. Kemp or somebody that they had. Somebody with wheels who can yeah. get the, get to home on a, a singles, an absolute, a soft single, yeah, a gimme. Yeah. Or uh, you know even the risk of stealing third or anything like sure. that. So um, they've also said that the trade deadline will be August 31st. So they're going to have about a month's worth of baseball, and then the trade deadline will happen. So that should be pretty interesting to see how that'll even work this year with um, the shortened season. They are going to have the regular playoffs. Um, they haven't tweaked that at all. Uh, the regular the schedule should come out in the next week or so, and it should be interesting to see. Are there a lot of double headers? I know they're saying that maybe they'll do some more double headers to try to allow some players the days off. So if we play two games today, maybe we can have tomorrow off um, and see what that favors. So uh, keep an eye out for the schedule. But baseball is back, and that's the most important part. Tom, who do you see or what kind of team or situation do you think this might favor being a condensed season like this? I mean, I think we're much more likely to get a team that we didn't expect to win a division to win yes. that division. Yeah, uh, it's always it's always that way in everything. You know, the the smaller the sample size, the more likely there is for variance. So yeah, I mean, you can get so th- yeah, exactly. You can get hot in baseball, and I think it's more than any other sport. Where I think maybe because you play so often every day, every every other day, these guys, if they get if you get a lineup that's clicking. You can go on a rampage and win 15 out of 16 games, 15 out of 17 games, and a string like that in a 60-game season could be the difference. Um, So it should be very interesting. I I think since they're not realigning the divisions, I think you still should see the top two or three teams in in there, especially where, you know, when we did our division previews, some of those divisions have some really bottom teams that aren't going to be able to compete. But those middling teams, if you've got a team that, was probably going to finish third or fourth. If you get a hot streak, you can 
finish first very easily. If a team gets cluster injuries to their rotation, this could be so damaging to their season yeah. in a 60-game season when, you know, if they're going to miss, you got two of your top five that are going to yep. miss five starts or more. Well, you know, they're, they're missing the majority of the season at that point. Sure. And now you're, you're talking about you know, a situation where they're – that team could fall completely out of it because of that. So some of those, some of those type of things, injuries are going to play a much larger factor in the outcome of the season because there's no time to level it out. And positive tests. I mean, we were just talking about it a little bit. If you have a, uh, you know, one of your star players gets a positive test and you're playing 13 games in the two weeks that they're having to be quarantined. <laughs> Let's make this clear. It's a positive test for coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. Not the roids. Or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a positive coronavirus test will keep yeah. you out for two weeks. When you play 13 games in those 14 days, that's yeah. You know, you're almost missing what a fourth of the season there. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, and so and if it goes rampant through a clubhouse, you could see AAA style teams taking yeah. the field in order to uh, you know just field a team for some of these games. So there will be an asterisk next to this World Series. Winner, oh, I'm no sure. question, no question. This it's just everything, every sport that gets back going again you've got a lot of this stuff going on we were just talking briefly about the pga event upcoming where five guys have withdrawn because of coronavirus related issues yeah so um but baseball's back that's the most important part i know kevin and i are both huge baseball fans um very excited for it i'm excited for the schedule to come out kind of see how it how it matches up and kudos to them finally getting it done i know it wasn't wasn't the easiest so I know this is, I mean, this is a sick, twisted way of looking at things a little bit, but as a gambler, you can find edges here based on these th- these situations. I know it's so different than finding edges. In, it, it's not really any different than finding edges in any other season, sure. but this is now just another factor that maybe could create opportunity for you when you're looking to make wagers. So yeah. I'll be looking to take advantage of every angle that I can, you know, and, and see, sure. is there a team that, is this is this a situation where teams that have more depth in the rotation are going to be more likely to make the playoffs. Yep. Are there teams that have a battle for five, six, and seven, or four, five, six, and seven? You know, if you've got that, you're going to feel much more comfortable going into this sixty-game season because if an injury happens, you've got somebody you feel confident you can plug in. So I think some of those teams are the ones I might look on for season-long bets when right. those numbers come up. Yeah, and that's going to be. I mean, we talked about picking our division winners before. Um, when the schedule comes out, we kind of hash over a little bit. We're probably going to have to do that all over again because there's going to be some bets, like you said, where you know, like we're t- you're you're a big fan of the Blue Jays. Yeah. All um, you know, it's tough playing against the Red Sox and the yeah. and the Yankees, but all of a sudden, you only have to beat them for 60 games. You don't have yeah. to, you know, you don't have to beat them for 162 and really grind out. It's a, it's a sprint now. So the, the more talented teams are at a little bit of a disadvantage yes. here, and a team like the Blue Jays, who's young, explosive. Those kids get hot and confident early yep. on, and they have one of those runs you talk about. All of a sudden, you got a team that's got a chance to win that division. Yeah, they're going to play the Yankees ten times. If if you go seven and three against them, yeah, that's a huge advantage in a sixty game season compared to if you go seven and three against them at one point during the season. It's you know it's one hundred sixty two for them to neutralize yeah. it, you know, and, and beat up they, on everyone else. They can make so. that up, yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be very fun to watch, and, and it'll be really interesting. I think there's going to be some opportunities for some price plays here for us. And uh, it should just be crazy season. close. So many teams should be in it at the end. Yeah. Like, that's going to be the crazy part. The last two weeks are going to be nuts because if you think out of a 60-game season, most teams are going to be close to that 500, 550. You're going to have so many teams going for it at the end trying to make that, that uh, 
division title. It could kind of hinder that trade deadline August 31st yep. because teams don't know if they're in or out yep. yet. You know, they're not sure. They've only played 30 games at that point. It may lead to, um, you know, everybody just holding their cards close to the vest and saying, ah, we'll figure it out at the end I mean, of the how season. How many times has your team stunk the second week of May and then all of a sudden it comes together? Yeah. And, or they're playing around 500 ball or a little under and you're like, ah, this team's not very good. Right. Then it comes together. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of what happens. So. Uh, I'm very excited about it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, uh, an example the Braves had, uh, they went 42-18 and 18 to start the year. And I'm going to get the year wrong. One year they went 42-18 and 18 to start the year, their first 60 games. If they did that here, you're going to run away with the division. Yeah. But that same year, their last 60 games, they were like 32 and yeah, 28. 32 and 28. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. like, the same team, but two different sample sizes of 60 yeah. games. One of them you're running away with it. The other one, you're probably not going to win. Absolutely. So, All right. Let's uh, do some UFC talk. Yeah, let's talk some UFC. Um, but, yeah, again, baseball being back, that's <laughs> – I'm ecstatic. There's a reason we led with that. Yeah. Um, let's preview this weekend's UFC uh, fight night on Saturday night. Uh, if you want to call it night, the main <laughs> card starts at 6 p.m. Yeah. So Saturday afternoon, I guess. Prelims yeah. start at 4 o'clock. A couple of noteworthy fights on this card. Um, in the women's bantamweight division, you've got Aspen Ladd against Sarah McMahon. Yes. Um, so you've got number three contender against the number nine contender. Sarah McMahon's tough. She's been in against a lot of tough opponents. Um, Aspen Ladd is kind of uh, the young up-and-comer that people are excited about. So, um, yeah, you know, that, that, that'll that be a fun fight to watch. It's, again, the old story of the UFC. Yeah. Aspen Ladd's really good. Um, her only losses to uh, Durandamy, she got clipped and dropped at 16 seconds she was out um but every other fight she's she's very good from the top she likes to get the guy get them down likes to do some ground and pound um that was not a freudian slip yeah right <laughs> um, but she she does like to to dominate from the top a lot um sarah mcmahon has been everywhere but a lot of her wins if you look at mcmahon's wins they're not very impressive her losses are to everybody Nunez, Tate, Rousey, she's lost to all of them. She can lose to anybody. <laughs> yeah, she can lose to anyone. But, you know, she does have wins over Jessica I, Lauren Murphy. So um, so people who have been around, at least. Uh, so that that one's going to be interesting to see if Ladd can continue her ascent into uh, that division. Yeah. And, um, you know, next on the card. So we're talking main card only. The prelims. There's only three prelim fights. And and it's, it's names that you're not really going to be too familiar with. Sean Woodson against Kyle Nelson. Uh, Philippe Linz against Tanner Bozer, and uh, Luis Pena against Kama Worthy. Um, nothing that really sticks out to me there. Um, I'm looking right now at this uh, John Volante uh, Maurice Green fight, and you know my thing uh, with this fight is John Volante loses a lot. Yeah, and he's he's taken his his first step up uh, to the heavyweight division, so. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of Volante. Yeah. But uh, Maurice Green's record is nothing to, to write home about. You know, he's he's got wins against guys like he beat Junior Albini, um, but he lost to Sergey Pavlovich and Alexi Olenek. Um, yeah. He got knocked out and then submitted. No, nothing wrong with being submitted by Olenek. I think this this fight right there is a classic um, tactic by the UFC. Two guys who aren't living up to what they would expect. Put them in together, and it's basically an eliminator. Yeah. Um, Volante's trying to rescue his career by moving up to heavyweight. He's had some troubles cutting weight. He's gassed out. He hasn't looked great. 
So moving up to heavyweight, this is his last-ditch effort to try to keep her going. And Maurice Green's in a little bit of the same boat. He was six and or he was eight and two at one point. He's lost his last two to get to eight and four. You know, one more loss puts him on that. Do we really need this guy around? Um, and there has been a change. Ian Heinish was supposed to fight Brendan Allen. Um, Heinish had to withdraw. So a newcomer, Kyle Dawkins. I'm yeah, I'm gonna yeah. guess that's how he's gonna pronounce it. Um, is coming up. It's gonna be his first uh, UFC fight. He is nine and zero with eight submission victories in those nine. Um, Brendan Allen has won six in a row, so that that should be a very interesting fight. That uh, at the middleweight, I'm really interested to see um, Kyle eight submissions. Is, I, I love watching a guy get submitted, so that should be good. Yeah, he's got um, three of his last four are via the Brabo choke. Yeah, so you know he's obviously got some some go to that he's and that choke seems to be his his, his go to. It's not one you see very often. You know, you see right. rear naked, you see guillotine a lot. Is you even it, see the head and arm frequently, but right. Is it something that uh, Brendan Allen is going to be able to prepare for on show, short notice? Yeah, you, I would you, hope he's spending all his time going, "Hey, what's this choke, boss?" Yeah, well, you would <laughs> think that, that. Hopefully, he's got guys that are that he's working with that are you yeah. know well versed in that. But Brendan Allen is coming off a, a, a big streak of victories here. Yeah. He's won six in a row, um, and he submit he submitted some guys to absolutely rear naked. So. Um, you know, it should be an interesting. He has uh, eight submissions submissions in his fourteen career wins. Yeah. Um, but he's a finisher as well, so could be you know a couple of guys that are great at submitting people. <laughs> should be, be fun, really fun. And then platinum Mike Perry against Mickey Gall. Um, I think Mike Perry just outclasses Mickey Gall in this fight. So does Mike Perry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he does. Um, if you weren't, if you didn't hear last week, uh, Mike Perry is very upset that. Uh, He's having to fight Mickey Gall. Um, I mean, Perry's lost three of his last four fights, so he can't exactly be demanding big bouts. Uh, but he, uh, you know, he feels like he's ahead of the game when it comes to Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall six and two um, hasn't really looked great in some of his wins. Notably, beat CM Punk in a joke of a fight where it, he try didn't try to submit or didn't try to end the fight. He just toyed with Punk said he was trying to teach him a lesson so um you know platinum mike is not a guy i'd want to have mad coming after me yeah he's got 11 knockouts out of his 13 wins Uh, i'm sure he's going to try to add to that here yeah you know the thing is with mike perry though he's his fights are against jeff neal vicente luke uh alex Oliveira, donald cerrone paul felder yeah santagio santiago ponzanibio Jake Ellenberger, who he knocked out in big fashion. Alex Ellenberger. Reyes. Um, you know, a loss to Alan Joban. He's fought great fighters. Yeah. Mickey Gall has not. And sure. Mike Perry is going to walk through him. I yeah, believe. I would imagine. I mean, there's you know, it's it's the fight game. There's always a chance Gall can catch him in something, um, submit him. He does have five submission victories to his credit, so there there is that chance. But, you know, there's a the, – the, one of the things I noticed when I was looking at this card beforehand – the fight odds are terrible. There's so many huge favorites on this card. Yeah. The betting is not going to be a lot of fun. Um, huge favorites all over the place. Yeah. And then the main event's going to be awesome. Yeah. Dan Hooker and uh, Dustin Poirier. Um, Tom, tell me about Dustin Poirier's fight record. How's he been? So he is uh, 25 and 6. Um, he was on a five fight win streak until he lost to Khabib. And, you know, no shame there. Hit some of his wins Max Holloway, Eddie Olivares, Justin Gaethje, um, 
Pettis, and Jim Miller. I mean, those are some really impressive victories that he has under um, his belt. Uh, Dan Hooker, you know, by the same account, he beat Paul Felder. He yep. beat Ally Quinta. He beat James Vick. His one loss here is to Edson Barbosa, who he took a body punch from that finished him. Yeah. But he beat Gilbert Burns, who looks like yeah. the you know the biggest. He's son. murdering people yeah. right now. He, beat, he also beat Jim, Jim Miller, Miller as well. As well. Um, so you know the, between the two of them, so this is a lightweight bout. Uh, between the two of them, they have twenty four knockouts and twelve submission victories. That is a lot of finishes for the lightweight division specifically. Like, yeah, these guys, they they finish fights. That's why they're number three and number five. Um, you know, th- this division is a really tough one, and these two have kind of risen up, and I th- it's going to be a lot of fun to watch how this happens. Dan Hooker always has that reach advantage when he fights, but Poirier's so fast. Yeah. it should. I think it's going to be a great, great main event. So, yeah. um, you know, I think it'll be much more exciting than what we saw last weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, these the lightweight guys really mix it up. Next week will be a much more exciting uh, conversation. Yeah. They, have about, a, they have a week off. Yeah, they have the Fourth so, of July weekend off. Right. So next week we'll do a preview of the uh, the July eleventh card yeah. or an there's early so, preview. There's know. so many cards coming up. They have a stacked group. We've talked about it before. Fight Island's real. It's yeah. happening, and because of that, they have a bunch of fights set up. Yeah. So uh, do you see any? Did you see any ones that you really like as far as betting goes? Yeah. You know, let me let me pull up the betting odds here really yeah. quick, Tom, and see. They're not good. Yeah. You know the main event. I, I don't. I don't really know how I would bet that fight. I, I have bet us. Uh, bet us has Dan Hooker at plus one seventy five. It's a big price for a guy who can absolutely compete in this fight. But Poirier's yeah. probably the the more seasoned guy out of the two. And <laughs> Mike Perry's minus three fifty. Yeah. Brendan Allen's minus three hundred. I'm. I mean, for two guys who are going to try to submit each other, maybe put the put it on the kid at plus two twenty. I mean that. Looking at these fights, that's my best, my favorite bet for an underdog. I did see the, so I see that there's a fight between Jin Yu Fry and Kay Hansen on the undercard. Um, it's, uh, I think it's going to be like the second or third fight on the card. Jin Yu Fry, I think it was just added. Jin Yu Fry is uh, uh, Invicta champion, a former Invicta champion that was stripped of her belt. Um, she's she's built. She's stacked. She looks like she's all muscle. Yeah. Um, fighting against Kay Hansen, who's supposed to be like a young up and comer, um, but Jin Yu Fry is plus one thirty six and very experienced and uh, has fought some good fighters along the way. So I like that one. And um, the only other one that I saw that that I might kind of you know like to put some action on is you know now that we've talked about it, Dawkins at plus two thirty nine is also yeah. a submission expert, and uh, you know. Give me, I got Hooker at plus one eighty one here. By the way, um, Dawkins plus two thirty nine, and and he's nine and zero with eight submissions, and he submit chokes guys out like crazy. So yeah. Brennan Allen's probably more experienced, more talented, or, or you know, not necessarily more talented, but more seasoned. Sure. Um, give, I'll take a shot on Dawkins at plus two thirty nine. Exactly. Too. I think that value there, especially when you know both of them want to do the same thing. Yeah. So you you know Kyle's going to be in it. It's not going to be a thing where the guy just sprawls and keeps him on his feet the whole time. This is going right. to the ground. Yeah, and is this kid – it's hard to tell with grappling in mm-hmm. particular how great somebody really is until yeah. they get the opportunity to beat somebody really good. Yeah, I mean, the fun part about that is he can be out of position and just getting driven around the mat. All it takes is a, a moment lapse, and he can catch an arm or a neck, and that's yeah. that. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, you know, there are – 
anytime there's a UFC card, I'm I'm excited about it. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna find some action on it and see. If we I can we get are having winners. drinks and watching this one. So. Oh yeah, yeah, it'll be a good time. So <laughs> stay tuned um, for our on Saturday. Don't forget to check out our Twitter feed for our uh, DK lineups for that one. I know DK lineups, and then you know it, just keep checking the Twitter feed periodically throughout the course of the night yeah. because I have a propensity to get a few cocktails in me and give out some winners. Yeah, and sometimes some losers, but you know. <laughs> I like to feel like my percentage is better than, than yeah, it's not. So, absolutely. Um, I, I like to hand them out about 15, 20 minutes before fight time. So uh, keep an eye on that Twitter feed the entire night, you know, between fights in particular. Just pop it open. Check yeah. it out. Did Hammer Sports tweet something? Because, you know, or, or send us questions. Hey, who do you like in this fight? Absolutely. Yeah, and we'll, we'll be happy to see what we can give out. Let's um, talk about the Travelers. Let's, let's take a break first and then okay. come back. Um, talk some travelers, a uh, little preview of the golf tournament coming up this week. Um, we've still got a lot left to cover tonight, um, but we're going to take a quick break. I need a refill on my beverage. Oh, it's now I understand why we're taking a break. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so, boys, see you in a second. Back with you shortly. We are back. We are back. And we are talking about the Travelers Championship this weekend, uh, which has unfortunately seen some withdrawals due to some coronavirus-related issues. But Correct. It was the PGA Tour uh, commissioner today, right? That said, "Yes, um, no, we're not, we're not canceling anything. Listen, this is this is the new normal, if you will, or whatever." I hate that know. phrase. By I know the way. you do. So do I. But this is new. We got to figure out. We got to figure it out. So we're going to play, and guys are going to miss weeks, and we understand that. But that's this is what we've got now. In all honesty, the two sports that are set up where this doesn't impact them as much are the UFC and golf because they're individuals. Um, sports, you know, they yeah. they can bounce and somebody can step in. There's somebody else to play. Yeah, you're gonna team sports. It's gonna be a little more impactful when certain guys miss. Yeah, you know, when LeBron gets the corona right before the finals. Did you see them trying to? I, I hope why I didn't put the why'd you say on that. You. Why would you talk like that? What's the matter with your head? <laughs> you're, you're gonna have so many people Ugh. just infuriated at you. Ugh. That's gonna be our viral moment on Hammered Sports. <laughs> in you know, yeah, couple of months when when it actually happens and yeah. it just circulates that I called it. Yeah, yeah, there will be conspiracy theories about yeah. you sneaking down there with a vial of coronavirus. I'll get my own then... Wikipedia page finally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, uh, we're, we're <laughs> enough of the sidebar here, Tom, with your coronavirus nonsense. Uh-huh. Um, Travelers Championship this week. Bombs. Yeah, this is where guys can let it fly, right? gonna be fun if you've been watching pga tour golf at all all you hear about is bryson DeChambeau and his muscly bombs that he's hitting these days yeah. and he's been on two golf courses that are not suited to that yeah so is DeChambeau the favorite going into this event he's my pick i mean two top 10 finishes where he's using the three wood and some hybrids a lot to tee off because he can't even you know as he says unleash the kraken um, which we do hear from time to time, not a sponsor. Right. <laughs> um, but he, he's going to be able to do it this week. And if he's already just crushing the ball, super confident, he's been putting very well, um, he's going to be tough to beat. I mean, obviously, in a golf tournament, it's it's so hard to pick a winner. You have so many good golfers. So many of these guys are going to be there. Um, we were talking about Bubba Watson, who's won this three times, been a runner-up as well. I mean, he just owns this course and – I'm sure he's going to be in the running as he likes to hit big, long, high bombs. 
yeah, he's very comfortable in this type of setup. Yeah. So, uh, but there are other guys that are that are going to be comfortable there too, including yes. Bryson, who I think is is certainly going to be the the guy that you you, you have to look to a little bit this weekend. Sure. Uh, but there are other names out there. Rory McIlroy, this guy that certainly can hammer it, and he yeah. he plays some pretty good golf. So. Every time I pick McIlroy, he plays terrible. So I'm going to do everyone a favor and lay off him, and you guys can have him. All right. You and your personal vendettas. I love the guy. He's just <laughs> right. He just doesn't. Perform. <laughs> we don't work out together. It's not. It's not Rory. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about some other names that we could be excited about this weekend. Here, um, we've got a fairly good track record thus far. Daniel Berger's a, a guy who's done well at this course. Twenty seventeen, he finished second to Jordan Spieth, and he's been playing some very good golf. Um, he's he's there. Jordan Spieth, obviously, he's won this before. Uh, he's been playing better as of late. Yeah. Um, you know, Berger's not really a bomber. He's like middle of the pack sure. when it comes to driving distance. But, you know, he's he's got enough Been playing to hang in so there. good. Right. Um, some of the guys that names that you might not be super familiar with or you might just because of the match that they had, uh, Matthew Wolf is top ten in driving distance. The guy can play golf and at some point he's gonna have a good week. Not sure if he's prepared to put it together in a PGA tour event yet. Um, but the name that, that stuck out to me when I was – so the way I looked at it was it looks like this is a course for guys who hit it long. Let's look for guys who hit it long and are playing well. Gary Woodland is the name that really yeah. popped into my head, and it's a name that I think you sh- you'll see on Sunday near the top of this leaderboard. And one that you might not think of that we kind of discovered as we're looking through this is Paul Casey, who has done amazingly well at this. Uh, he's finished a second twice – and what did you say? He's been in the top five three straight years. Three straight event. years. Paul Casey is in the top 36. He's 36th in driving distance currently yeah. on the PGA Tour. Um, this is a guy that's going to be a, a challenge for people to deal with this weekend. Yeah, so. absolutely. And, um, you know, your DK lineups, he's going to be cheap. Yeah. And um, another name that I saw, and I just I sent a message out to a couple of my buddies who like to bet matchups. Um, I love Ben on, uh, Byung Hyun on. He, he hits the ball 306 on average. He's in the top 25 on the PGA Tour. Uh, playing in this event, he's got really good game. Yeah. And I think he's a guy – he's number like number 53 in the official world golf ranking. It's not like this guy is a slouch by any stretch. Uh, coming to a course that's going to suit him well, I think that you could see Ben on on the leaderboard on Sunday. And, uh, you know, not to be remiss, Phil Mickelson has won this back-to-back years in, in 2001, 2002. Um, it was not at the same core, or was not the same name, um, but same course here. So, and Phil Mickelson is 50 years old and still in the top 60 in the PGA Tour. And we just want to throw this out there for all of you who are interested in watching. The featured group for Thursday and Friday is going to be nuts: Rory McIlroy, Phil Mickelson, and Bryson DeChambeau. Um, three guys who are going to hit absolute bombs on a course that's encouraging it. Uh, should be great to watch. Imagine being Phil and being the first to hit from the fairway each time in a <laughs> yeah. group of three, which yeah. is not something that not he's, something used, he's to. used to at all. And especially since it was in the fairway. Tom. Oh, oh, that was a good one. Yeah, your winner, Tom. Yeah, I'm going with DeChambeau. I know it's lame to pick, you know, someone who's such a favorite, but he's been playing so well. He's going to get the extra added yardage. Um, I think he, he finally gets over the top and gets the win this week. Two top ten finishes in a row. Yeah. Uh, Dustin Johnson's game looked like it's starting to come together a little bit. Um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna give Dustin Johnson a stab here um, with a dark horse play on Gary Woodland as well. So those are those are the two guys that I would have money on to win the event this weekend. All right, so now it's time for you to make me sweat. Oh, so we're playing name this player, huh? And we had to get creative because we're down towards the end of college football award winners. So I've gone with NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. All right. All right. Since the year 2000. I didn't go back any further than that. And uh, let's get let's get it going. Number one. This is a Heisman Trophy winner, a consensus All-American, a conference player of the year. His NFL statistics. 19,449 passing yards, 103 touchdowns, and 61 interceptions. Vince Young. No. Man, one of these times I'm going to nail it off the first guess, and that's going to be awesome. I'm just going to hold my hand up like Kobe after a three. Uh, okay, so 19,000, you said, passing yards? Yeah. 103 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. 61. 61, 61 interceptions. I got a little dyslexia going on there. Um, all right, not bad. Are they still active in the NFL? Not a good question. Oh, he's got to check. We got we got a borderline. I I don't think so. But maybe. Might be hanging on. These guys tend to do that. Yeah. No. Last year was the first year that he was not active. Okay. All right. So you said the conference player of the year. Was it the SEC? No. Hmm. Pac-12. No. All right, I'm running out of, of lifelines here. Um, can't be that many Heisman-winning quarterbacks, right? So let's take a peek. Since 2000, you said? Yeah. Hundred and three touchdowns. That that's you know, that's a few years. That's not a short right. stint. So right. um Yeah, we got six, seven years of playing football there. Is this Carson Palmer? No. Ah. Oh, I already said no Pac-12. That was a wasted guess. Um, oh. Is this uh, Sam Bradford? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you'd get there or not, but you got there. Yeah. That was the layup. Yes. Next, this player was the AP Offensive Rookie of the Year, obviously. Right. Whose NFL career featured 1,055 rushing attempts. Attempts, okay. For 4,038 yards, 21 touchdowns, 148 catches, 
for 1,002 yards and four touchdowns. How many touchdowns? 21 rushing, four receiving. Whew. They won the rookie of the year. I mean, it's a little under four yards of carry average. It's not great. Are they active? No. No activity. Are they Lendale White? No. <laughs> All right. Do we have an SEC running back? Yes. Ooh. That helps. Cedric Benson? No. Hmm. He played for Texas anyway in the Big 12. Yeah, we have 1,000 yards receiving, though. That's not bad. In this player's rookie season, they rushed for 1,178 yards and six touchdowns. Goodness gracious. Mm. Were they a f first round pick? Good question. What's the name? I'll Google it. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. It's Cadillac? Yeah. 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 That was a good one. I can't believe I got that one. Yeah, that's pretty good, Tom. Well done. All right. Cadillac Williams. I, I actually have more confidence that you'll get the last one than you did the, the, the most recent one here. Really? Yeah, I think you'll get this, this one. I could be a three-peat. I think you're going to get this one. I think you're going to nail it. All right, let's This see player was a one-time Pro Bowler. First team All-American. 4,026 receiving yards for 22 touchdowns. 927 rushing yards for five touchdowns and five return touchdowns in their career. How many return touchdowns? Five. Reggie Bush. No. Oh, you didn't say Heisman winner. Yeah, but probably might, might not even be on there anymore. I don't know how that works on Wikipedia. Do they take it I off? Know, I don't or know. How does that work? Um, so rookie of the year, one-time Pro Bowl, you said. Yep. 4,000 receiving yards? Yeah. So more receiving yards, but a fair amount of rushing yards, too. Five return touchdowns. Hmm. Are they active? No. <laughs> Rookie of the year. Well, gadget player.
he's going to get this, guys. Just so you know, he's going to get I'm it. Not, I don't know. I'm not able to get even get He's going to get it. Him. I'm telling you now. He, he doesn't think he's going to get it yet, but he's going to get it. Five return touchdowns, I think, is the key. Because that's pretty good. It is pretty good. Um, man, what was his name? Did he play for Minnesota? Yeah. The Vikings, I mean pro. Yeah, yep. I think I have the player. I can't think of the name. Um... What is his name? (sighs) This is bad. You know exactly who it is. Yeah, you just can't yeah, think of his name right now. Name. Say some other stuff about his career. Huh. Might be all I know. What is his name? He had a... Well... He wore 84. No. No. You got the wrong name. Mm. Right franchise, though. Weird. Five return touchdowns. 22 receiving touchdowns is good. One-time Pro Bowler. They're a wide receiver, correct? Yeah. This player was on a Super Bowl winning team. That's your last hint. Super Bowl winning team. Because he ended up playing for the Patriots? No. <laughs> um, hold on. I know who it is. I can't think of the name, and it's driving me nuts. If I don't get it, I'm going to be really annoyed. One Pro Bowl. I can't think of the name. I'll I'll give you one last (laughs) clue here. This player returned a kickoff for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I just can't think of his name. It was the Ravens versus the Giants game, right? No. No? I can't think of the name. I'm out. Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin? Yeah, I wasn't thinking of the right guy. Man, I thought you had... You know when it, when you you started saying gadget player, 
you know, started started seeing that stuff. I told you he was in the Super Bowl. You know that. Yeah. Every time I think of Percy Harvin, I just get a migraine and have to lay down. I know. So it's tough. I know. I know. In the fact that he ended his career with Buffalo, I thought maybe it would be enough in your mind to. Yeah. I mean that stint was not great. No, it was not. It was not a fun stay. <laughs> All right, two out of three for Tom. Not bad. I'll well take that done. every time. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that it. you're right, though. That third one was definitely within reach. Who was I thinking of, though, for the Vikings? Cordell Patterson? Yes, that is who yeah. I was thinking of. That I couldn't think of the name. Yeah. All right. All right, so onward, Tom. It is time for our first college football conference preview. We have no East Coast bias here, so we're starting with the West Coast the yeah. left coast, the Pac-12. Let's do it. So we're going to go through the north and then the south, talk about each team a little bit, um, things we see, and then we're, we're at the end we're going to give our picks for winning the conference. Yeah. Tom, take the lead. Um, who's the first team we're going to go over? So the first team, uh, we're going to go in the standings as they finish. So the first team in the north division was the Oregon Ducks. The Oregon Ducks, uh, twelve and two last year with an eight and one record in conference play. Um, what do you winning the Rose Bowl against who was Wisconsin? Another loss. Who was that out of conference loss that they had last year? Auburn. Oh yeah. All right. I just want to make sure. <laughs> that was for you, Eric. First game of the season. Yeah. <laughs> A great first game of the season. So much fun. Yeah. All right. So, um, obviously, we've lost some players. Um, you know, not not huge losses. Yeah. Necessarily, uh, Justin Herbert's a pretty big. Herbert's loss. A, the big one, and and four offensive linemen from that yes. group, including Calvin Throckmorton. They do have um, was it Penai Sewell? Penai Sewell, yeah, he's um, top five prospect for the draft this year. Probably the number one offensive lineman in the yes. draft. So uh, you know. Tyler Shuck is their quarterback. Um, he doesn't have the arm strength and, and stature of Justin Herbert, um, but this is a guy that's pretty highly touted. Um, somebody that, that you can be excited about. And um, behind him, Anthony Brown from Boston College transferred yeah. to Oregon is going to be his backup moving forward. Um, the other thing about this Oregon team is, man, they return a lot outside some of those guys. Yeah, all the their, defense especially. Oh, yeah, and all their productivity on offense outside of Herbert and the O-line, all of their skill position players. The are running back. backs are good at Oregon this year. Um, C.J. Verdell. The one thing I noticed that I wrote down was that the defense is going to be really good and uh, that the running game is going to be a plus running game style. Uh, you know, Oregon loves to run those those inside zone runs yeah. um, from the shotgun and yeah. really hit those fast. It's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, that should be easy. And Cristobal has kind of con- converted them to more power downhill on yeah. that inside zone scheme instead of, instead of like all speed all the time, which is, you know, kind of what you saw in the Chip Kelly era. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Cristobal has gone to more of a power thing. Here's a name for you to watch. Micah Pittman. This dude is a stud sophomore receiver that had some injury issues. He's going to be back this year, and he is going to be very difficult to deal with. Yeah, it's tough to be a standout wideout at Oregon, I feel, just yeah. based on the way they play. Uh, so as far as their prospects for this year, they have some some really uh, – they have a tough game right out the gate. Week two versus Ohio State. Um, luckily, they get it at home, but Ohio State's a good football team as well. Um, they're going to be rolling in with Justin Fields ready to play, so that, that's going to be a tough game for them to start. I'm excited as hell about that game. Right yeah, it's going to be a blast. Oh, my God. There's a couple, and the Pac-12, kudos to them, have two of the very big 
you know, start of the year games that we'll be talking about tonight. So that one's huge. Have or, some guts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some guts and play some teams early on. I think, the, you know, when you get to the Pac-12, you're kind of behind the SEC to begin with and, and probably the, the Big 12. So to have one of these crossover games early, I think, is a big um, help to them uh, if no you're, you're going for the title at the end. So Ohio State's a big, big game. Um, they do get USC at home. Uh, but they do have to go to Oregon State for the battle there, and that's always a hotly contested game. Those are the yeah. the big games for them. Absolutely. Um, who's next, huh? Cal Bears. The Cal Bears. Eight and five last season. Four and five in conference. Um, they lo- they won their bowl game, the the Red Box Bowl, the very prestigious Red Box Bowl against Illinois. Um, they are coming back. They have eight starters from defense coming back, which I think is huge obviously yeah and you know this is they, they've got um you know justin wilcox has taken over as the head coach there and he's changed their identity to a team yeah. that went from you know kind of that um spread kind of chuck it around style of offense um now their identity is on the defensive side of the ball but expect a big step up in performance on the offensive side you've got chase garber going back. bill musgrave here yeah, well, so Bill Musgrave is there now as the offensive coordinator, but Chase Garbers is, is returning. In the games that Garbers played, um, 1,772 yards passing, 14 touchdowns, three picks. Um, he was replaced by Devin Modster after the injury, and Modster had seven, 705 yards, five touchdowns, and five picks. So there was a big drop-off there due to injury. Um, with Garbers returning, expect kind of a, some growth from that. And um, returning a whole bunch of players uh, on offense and defense, this is going to be a team that's going to be really, really tough to deal with in the Pac-12 this year. Yeah, one of the things Cal has going for them is their schedule. Their bigger games are at home. They ha- they get Utah at home, they get Oregon at home, they get UCLA at home, Stanford at home. Uh, the biggest one on the road will be to USC. Uh, a lot of their big games are going to be at home, including both rivalry games. And Oregon. I mean, that's a huge advantage. Uh, three of their last four home games are at home. Uh, it's a huge advantage down the stretch there for them. We could be looking at uh, you know a five and zero Cal going to a four and one USC or something yeah. along those lines on October tenth, uh, depending on how the Utah Cal game shakes out. So Absolutely. that's a that's a big game to look at on October tenth. Yeah, it's interesting with Cal because they have a lot of things going for them, but they also have a lot of question marks. How well would that offense transition to the new offensive coordinator? How will that look? Uh, they do have some easier games in the beginning maybe to, to kind of work on that. TCU is no pushover, though. But, again, at home. So Yeah, well, and, you know, they lose three players that were really, you know, top-end Pac-12 players in Evan Weaver, Ashton Davis, and Jalen Hawkins. Uh, those three guys are, were – you know, big contributors to that defense. So I, I think that uh, that's where, you know, we've got to see, are there guys ready to step into those roles? Yeah. Um, with just with, with Wilcox at the helms, I, I, th- I think they are ready to replace those players. So next we have the Huskies of Washington. Yeah. Disappointing season last year, eight and five for a team that was, you know, preseason top 10 uh, change at court at uh, head coach with uh Jimmy Lake stepping Jimmy in, yeah, stepping in for Chris Peterson. He's an in-house replacement, really. Yeah, um, you've got the turnover of Jacob Eason, who played basically one year there with. Washington. And they don't know who their quarterback is, and and with no spring football, that is difficult. Sounds like it's going to be Jacob Sermon. Um, 
you know, he's got some some bloodlines there. Um, his uncle Peter is the the defensive coordinator at Cal. Um, his brother plays on the team, or it might be a cousin or brother or something. But he's um, he's got some some family involved. So Dylan Morris is a redshirt freshman. Um, I don't know if he's going to be the guy, but yeah. you know, it's, nobody's going to step in and, and have the the cannon that Eason had. Sure. Um, but you never know what kind of game making, uh, game play, game play, you know, yeah. uh, game breaking ability these guys might have. This is another team um, that won their bowl game. The beat Boise State in the Las Vegas Bowl. They were two and two last year against ranked opponents, which is is pretty solid for a team that's on the rise. This is not a team that's been established. You know, they've had some down years recently, so to be two and two against ranked teams last season is no no slouch. And they're another one of those teams that has a big game to start the season. September fifth, Michigan at home. You know, no cupcake there. They're going yeah. right at it. So, the, you know, their their first their quarterback's first game is going to be against Michigan, no doubt. So, you know, there are some some guys who you would expect to, you know, make a difference early with this team. You've got a new quarterback stepping in. You've got uh, Savelle Smalls. The he was a a big time five star outside linebacker recruit. Um, so, you know, that's those are some guys yeah. that you'll see early and often this year. They have a terrible schedule, though. They're yeah, you get Michigan to start the season. At you Oregon. Go at Oregon. At Utah, which is brutal to play at. At, at U- Cal. At USC. At USC. And then the Apple Cup's at Washington State this year. Just brutal the way their schedule falls this season. Yeah. So definitely take that into consideration when you're looking at them. I mean, yeah. it's going to be a rough go. They're fighting uphill to start. No doubt. Who's next, Tom? The Oregon State Beavers. Yeah, so Oregon State. This is a team that yeah, had their first five-win season in, in since 2014, I think, under Jonathan Smith. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Smith has done a great job with this program in a couple of years trying to get it turned around. 7-17 Seven and 17 doesn't sound like it's something you should be excited about. Sure. But in Oregon State, it, it is something to be excited yeah. about. They're, they, they really seem like they're turning a corner. Five and seven last year, uh, four and five in conference, zero and two against ranked opponents, and some of them were not close. Yeah, and you know they they lose Jake Luton, who was a pretty good quarterback there. Yeah, uh, their offense was really good. Um, now it looks like they're going to have to transition to a strong defense uh, as they're returning a number of their players. Um, they've got a junior college transfer. Uh, in Chase Nolan, that's a dual threat that rushed for over a thousand years, yards in junior college last year, uh, competing with Tristan Gebbia for the starting job. Um, Gebbia has been there for three years, so he knows the system. But Chase Nolan could end up being the, the or Chance Nolan, whatever. Yeah, Chance Nolan. Yeah. He could be the guy that you know has more explosivity. He could be somebody that's exciting for them. Big thing for them is Jamar Jefferson returning from his injury issues that he had last year. When the year prior he rushed for thirteen hundred eighty yards as a freshman, and look at their schedule. Their schedule's not as bad as the last one we heard. You know they're at Utah, but they do get Oregon at home. Uh, they do start the season with another challenging game. These, you know, kudos to the Pac twelve. I don't know if it's, they've made it a group initiative, but at Oklahoma State to start the year, again, not a cupcake. A very tough road game against a, a good school. Oklahoma State's gonna be a lot of fun to watch this year too. Yeah. So. You know, right off the bat, they're going to be in, in in the hot water there. We'd be remiss if we told didn't tell you about uh, the stud on their defense at, at Oregon State. His name is Hamilcar Rashad Jr. He's an outside linebacker. Uh, set the season record for sacks 
and tackles for a loss uh, for Oregon State last year. 14 sacks, 22 and a half tackles for a loss. He was like third in the nation in sacks and first in the nation in tackles yeah, for a loss gets after last it. year. Um, this is a guy that you, you need to pay attention to. Uh, and uh, sophomore Omar Spates had a great season last year um, as a freshman, 73 tackles, um, third among freshmen nationally. So yeah, they're, um, they're definitely going to be defense heavy, especially early on as they try to work out some of those kinks. And they're getting a lot of those guys back, you know, yeah. from that defense. So expect huge improvement for them. Unders in Oregon State games. Yeah, that's what I'm going to tell you early in the season. Unders in Oregon State, games. except for maybe at Oklahoma State, because. They can score against anybody. Yeah, but the, the number might be 74 in that <laughs> Yeah, game, that's so. true. The number <laughs> might be huge. Uh, let's see. Who do we have next? We have Washington State. The Cougars. Wazoo. Um, big changes there. Mike Leach leaves town, head, heads down to the SEC. Yeah. So uh, the Cougars, 6-7 and seven last year, 3-6 and six in conference, 0-3 oh against ranked teams. Needed changes. But. So last year, last year was a, a chaos for them. You know, they they lost their starting quarterback. Yeah. You know, tragically to suicide. Um, you know, which is awful to see. You know, the Holinsky kid, the Holinsky brother, um, unfortunately. Um, and then they just seemed to never really get on track. Anthony Gordon had a really nice season as their quarterback. Yeah. Now they're going to be changing quarterbacks. They're changing systems, but not drastically. No, they're still running Nick, the run and shoot. Yeah, they're going run and shoot instead of air raid. So right. Nick Rolovich is going to come in from um, Hawaii, played QB at Hawaii, and yeah, had a bunch of little stops. So I think arena leagues and yeah. the Rhine Fire, right? He's yeah. all over the place. It's going to be fun to see. Yeah. He's, he's so Mike Leach is like a weird, quirky personality. Nick Rolovich is a fire him up. You know, yeah. I'm I'm a man of men here kind of guy. So. It'll be fun to see what they do. I'm interested to see Cameron Cooper is a redshirt sophomore. Um, he was at one point ranked the 15th pro-style high school quarterback. Um, so he's certainly got some skill. And then um, there's a redshirt freshman named Gunnar Cruz. Um, he's also going to be there. And uh, there's also a freshman named Jaden Delora. So there are three guys that are going to be fighting it out for that quarterback position and it'll be really interesting to see what happens yeah. there it's unfortunately i think they've lost a lot in the program this year and i think you can expect a down season yeah it, as much as some of the other teams in their division of this conference are returning players they're the opposite though so they had a lot of graduating seniors you know vacating spots and and they're having a turnover at head coach the combination of that with the no spring should lead to some struggles especially out of the gate this may be a team next year that might be better than this year but this year they may really struggle yeah it'll be interesting to see if Rolovich can keep that program rolling because it's a program that was way down until Leach showed up yeah and now Rolovich is there and let's see if he can kind of keep it it you know they haven't been anything crazy but they've been they've competitive with top yeah. 25 rankings at times you know yeah, they're, they're competitive in the Pac-12 at least yeah uh, speaking of competitive in the top 12 Pac-12 and struggling the next team is Stanford yeah, Stanford. Oh boy, Stanford. four and eight last year, three and six in the conference. Uh, David Shaw is back, and after his worst season as a coach there, um, he's a he's a really good coach. I think I don't Great think there's coach. a question about that. Yeah, they just you know they're in one of Their those offensive weird line years. was a disaster. They're in one of those they're... weird years where yeah they were replacing everybody on the O line. Their quarterbacks were bad. Their running backs did nothing. <laughs> yeah. they, like it was, it was it was a train wreck. 
Yeah, so, you know, and, and still right now, I'm not excited about Davis Mills at quarterback. Yeah. Um, my understanding, based on a lot of stuff that I've been reading, you know, Athlon Sports has a great college football preview guide. And they talked about some of the explosivity of those wide receivers. That's the third time I've said explosivity on this podcast. Yeah, that's your word now. We're yeah. going to have to get t-shirts made. So, <laughs> explosivity. <laughs> um, so they've got some exciting wide receivers, I guess. There you go. That, that are, uh, should be interesting to watch. Um, they've got uh, freshman running back E.J. Smith, uh, the son of Emmett Smith. Oh, Yeah. So Jesus. Stanford's running game should turn the corner a little bit here with some of the guys that they've got. Uh, the one kid that I think stepped in last year had a really – had some nice performances. So it's been – Kevin just shimmied his shoulders like he was juking someone out when he said that. I know. You should see that, too. It's pretty really interesting to really watch on film. <laughs> juking out his laptop there. Ah. They get Walker Little back, who suffered a, a season-ending injury to start the season. And they also get a all-Pac-12 center, second-team all-Pac-12 center back. Uh, so their offensive line is going to be much improved. We'll see. And maybe we'll see Stanford get back to Stanford football. Yeah. So the one thing you touched on is the big thing for me, David Mills. Is is he Davis Mills? Yeah. Is he going to get better or is he going to you know be mediocre or worse? Uh, you know he didn't play the full season last year, but in seven games, only nineteen hundred yards, eleven touchdowns, five picks, not impressing anybody. He did have a huge game against Washington State, but we kind of already covered the train wreck they were. Um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how he does. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing for them. They're, you know, their defense is always going to be tough to play against. Uh, they do have David Shaw as their head coach still. And uh, you just have to see how that offense comes along. Hopefully with a better O-line, you can get better results from the run game, which may take some pressure off Mills. But, well, you know, David Shaw's 86 and 34 as a head coach with this program. That's solid. That is very solid. And to me, uh, I believe in somebody like David Shaw to, to bring things back together. So I think last year was the bottom for them. Sure. And I expect a little bit of a bounce this year. Maybe not great this year, yeah, yeah. but a little seven better. Seven and they five, five. They might win eight games. Yeah. They, you know, and, and next year maybe they get a little bit better, but they need to get some more talent in there. Um, they need to figure out what's what's going to go on there. But, but this Simi Fajoko, the wide receiver, um, is supposed to be pretty darn explosive. 22 catches for 529 yards and six touchdowns in seven games The one year. thing Stanford has going for them is in their division, the North Division, there's not powerhouses. There's nobody there that you're like, they got no shot. Yeah. You know, this this division. And when, they play Oregon tough every time. It yeah. doesn't matter who's on the field. We were just talking about, you know, as we're going through those, there's a lot of four and fives and three and sixes in these conference records. These guys are not separated by a lot already. So it won't take a lot to rise up those division standings for them, as, you know, from last year. Time to go south, Tom? Let's go south. And we'll talk about the south division as well. Yeah. Uh, Utah last year won the Divi the South Division with an 11-3 record, 8-1 in conference, 1-1 against ranked opponents. They lost their bowl, the Alamo Bowl, to the Texas pretty substantially. Yeah. Um, they actually, one point I want to put up, their last two games, they were drummed 75-25. They were outscored by Oregon and Texas. Crushed. Yeah. Not pretty. Things went sideways. And the they lost the a lot this year. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about what they lost. Everybody. Um, you know, so they did lose a lot. Yeah. But 
Uh, Kyle Whittingham has been great in in 15 plus years with yep. the, with the program, um, and and he seems to do a good job of reloading things here. Okay, sure. So um, they lost Zach Moss, they lost Tyler Huntley, they lost Bradley and I, you know, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, and these yeah. are these are very big contributors to this team. Yeah, you know, I will say Tyler Huntley's gone. I think adequate replacement in Jake Bentley coming and transferring in from South Carolina. Um, very interesting to see yeah. him make that decision to transfer to Utah. You know, both um, safeties were drafted. Jalen Johnson, the corner, was mm-hmm. drafted early. Uh, you, you lost a lot. Both both your D tackles were taken. Uh, Fotu and Panisi both gone to the NFL. Yeah. You are losing a ton of experience and very good football players. And th- but this is what college coaches do. They replace these guys. That's what that's what they do. That's what the program is about. Yeah. Um, that's how you you handle it. Uh, very good season last year. It'll be you know it ended on a very sour note. They're in the Pac-12 championship game. They they didn't they didn't perform well against Oregon, and then they had to play Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Maybe a little hangover from being disappointed in the in the Pac-12 championship game. They laid an egg against Texas, who is an up and coming team. We'll see them later as we do our yeah. Big 12 preview. Um, so we'll see what they come up with this year. And again, another game right off the bat. I like their game at BYU. It it's the holy war. That baptism by fire. Get in there and let's go. Yeah, yeah. It's you know it might be a little tough for them this yeah. year. I think BYU might be primed up for a decent season this year. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure that all of the losses that Utah's had are going to be able to gel. Uh, all the all the Actually, replacements are gonna that be game's good. in in Utah this year. Well, that that you know certainly makes a difference, but. Still, um, still a tough game, but a lot of a lot of fun. There, that game's you're gonna go, you know. Yeah, it's it's not unreasonable to see this team compete for the South. Uh, the South is pretty, generally There's pretty open, yeah. you know, because USC is continuously disappointed despite all yeah. the talent that they have. Um, Arizona State is on the come up. Um, you know, it'll be an interesting. I think the the Pac-12 South is one of the hardest divisions to really get your hands around in, in all of college football. Other than, you know, I feel like the, the bottom three, those top three, I think it could be a toss-up between USC, Arizona State, Utah. Um, the other three, I don't really. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, they have some tough games. They do have USC at home. Uh, again, BYU at home. They do play um, at Arizona State, which is going to be a big game in this division. So, you know, two and one, not bad. Yeah. Let's uh, let's let's move on to the to the next team here. Next team is USC. Yeah. Um, Eight and five last year. Seven two seven and two in conference. So a really good conference record. Two and four against ranked opponents. Um, Clay Helton is back for his fifth season, and uh, Kadan Slovis is back as well. Kadan Slovis. Yeah. I think that is the big key for USC. He was really good as a freshman completing almost 72% at 71.9 of his passes. Uh, they, lo- they lost the bowl game uh, to Iowa 49-24, to the Holiday Bowl, when Slovis got hurt. He hurt his shoulder. When he got hurt, they were down four points. It was 28-24 in the third quarter. He gets hurt. They end up you know, fading away and losing. But they were in that game again. This is somebody that could take a big step forward for them or could just, you know, 
do the same thing you did I last think year. Slovis has a lot of talent, you know. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, they've got um, – Some really good wideouts. Yeah, <laughs> no question about it. So, you know, you look at some of their key players, you've got – you know, you've got a group that's got guys like um, the St. Brown kid. Am- yeah. Is it Amon Ray? Yeah, Amon Ra. Amon Ra. You ever watch The Mummy? Come on. <laughs> 77 catches for 1,042 yards, six touchdowns last year. You know who his brother is, right? Oh, yeah. Equinimius. Equinimius, yep. I don't know why he went there instead of the Irish. Mm-hmm. Um, JT Daniels decided to transfer out, which made it a no-brainer that Keaton Slovis is now the, the yeah. um, so. starter there, which is nice. You lose Michael Pittman, Austin Jackson. Yep. A um, couple of guys from that offense that, that made a big difference. So, um, But they've also got um, you know Gary Bryant, Jr., um, who is going to be an impact freshman. He's going to jump right in and, and make some plays as well. So their schedule shakes out in an interesting fashion, um, starting with Alabama. Again, Pac-12, yeah. kudos to y'all. Yep, playing them at a neutral site on September 5th. Um, AT&T Stadium, does it yeah. get bigger? Does it right. get more fun than right. USC-Alabama to kick off the season at at Jerry's World? Yeah, and, you know, they've got um, – Thanks, Advocare. <laughs> they get Arizona State at home, um, but they have to play at Oregon on November seventh. And then um, the Irish come the to Irish town. The Irish come to town on November twenty eighth. So, um, you know, should be a uh, interesting season for They're, them. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. You know, they they played Notre Dame tough last year. Yeah, they a were lot inter- of their their losses were weird last year. They lost to BYU. Yeah. Um, then they lost to Washington and lost to Notre Dame. So they lost three out of four there. Um, and then they got run over by Oregon. But yeah. then they went and beat Arizona State. They beat Cal, both of those on the road. They ran over UCLA at home. And then in the Holiday Bowl, like we talked about, it yeah. was the injury to Slovis. So they were there. They were returning 10 starters to defense who started at least seven games for them last year. That's crazy. That's a yeah. lot of lot of tail. They had a lot of injuries, so they had a lot of guys mixing and matching. But uh, 10 of the starters are coming back with at least seven starts from last season. That's that's a pretty good depth on defense that are going to be added to what should be a very explosive offense. Yeah, absolutely. So um, who's next? Arizona State? Is the right? fighting Herm Edwards. Yeah. How much fun has this been to see Herm Edwards have this kind of success with this yeah, organization? You know, and um, For the record, Herm Edwards is one of Kevin I's favorite human beings in oh, the yeah, world. Big fans. Uh, Love the guy. Yeah, absolutely. Love the guy. I think that he fits very well here at the college level in that playoffs. In that yeah, in that executive style role though. Yeah, not necessarily in the weeds on the everyday planning of what they're going to do, but leading the entire organization. Um, the same thing that's going on with Mac Brown at UNC. Um, that is, uh, a, it's a newer kind of thing to make somebody a head coach that's just like overseeing guys and saying, "Hey, do this for me. Do that for me. We want to see this." Um, but also presenting themselves as a leader of these kids and showing them the right way to do things and being yeah. great recruiters and having that background. So I'd know, send my kid there in a heartbeat. Yeah, no doubt. And same thing with UNC right now, Mac Brown there. Um, you know, they've got some, some key returning players here. Jaden Daniels, um, freshman quarterback who had an amazing season to start last season. You know, he's, what, 17 touchdowns and two picks I think he had last year. I mean, he's yeah, 17 touchdowns, two picks, uh, 2,943 yards. As a true freshman. As a true freshman. In the Pac-12. This kid's going to have a big year this Come year. Come on. this was a true fresh, too. Yeah. Frank Darby, wide receiver. Um, 
yard, led the Pac-12 in yards per catch last season. Um, you know, there there are some. What what did they lose? Eno Benjamin, but running and Brandon back is, Ayuk and Brandon Ayuk. Um, both guys are good players, but they already but, have good players at those positions to replace them right. from last year, which is the the key to building a program. I'm, um, I've got the admit, worst part with Arizona State before you talk about how much you love them. Yeah, their schedule at USC, at Oregon, and then at Arizona for the the rivalry game. Their biggest games are all on the road, which for is tough. Fifteen years, <laughs> I've been watching Pac-12 games late on Saturdays and yeah. rooting on Arizona State. The best helmets, the best uniforms in football. I, I just dig him. Not oh, not college football, all of football. I love it. Yeah, I love it. And NCAA and now football with comes back Edwards out there. Yeah. You know, all of that stuff combined, I I'm loving this resurgence from this Arizona State program. Yeah, and uh, Sun Devil Stadium's amazing. <laughs> right. Yeah. My buddy Brad Barta down in D.C. is an Arizona State grad. I just learned that this summer, which is I crazy. Didn't know that. Yeah, it's wild. Um, so I, I'm excited for this Arizona State team this year. I I cannot wait to be up till 2 a.m. watching college football <laughs> on Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Who's uh, next, Tom? Speaking of big-time head coaches. We're going to go to UCLA, who had a disappointing 4-8 and eight chip, season. 4-5 and five in the conference. But, so listen, 4-8 and eight on the season, but 2-3 and three against ranked teams. Yeah. Riddle me that. Uh, so Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins. Yeah, and this is Kelly's third season now, right? Yes, this um, is the year. This put is up or show up. It. Yeah. Put up or shut up, I guess, <laughs> is the saying. Put up or show up, huh? Put up or Do- show up. Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Yeah, um, this is a talented dual threat dude. Um, if Perfect he can pull for Chip it together, right? If he can pull it together, um, in his career he's got a fifty nine percent completion percentage, twenty eight touchdowns, sixteen picks. And this guy was a top end recruit out of uh, I think he's from Las Vegas in high school, and um, it, it's going to be really exciting to see. Now I understand that the the backfield is tightening up here. Now um, they've got Demetric Felton Fet- Felton returning. <laughs> Um, and then they've got a Duke grad transfer, Britton Brown, um, that's also like a, a power runner. So I think that this is a team that they've got to replace Joshua Kelly, and both of those guys are certainly yeah. able to do that. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, um, they gave up 34.8 points per game last year. Yeah, they're not good. Yeah, and the entire secondary and linebacking units are gone. Some of this is a Chip Kelly, though. You know, you're running that – Hurry, hurry, hurry. Sometimes you leave your defense out to dry when your offense isn't that good. Yeah. And and this is what happens. So hopefully some, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson becoming a junior, a little more experience. Picking up first downs is huge for them because it keeps that defense fresher, not having to run right back out there after 18 seconds off the clock. Yeah. I, I think that this is a program that I'm going to fade this season. I, I'm going to play against UCLA a lot. Yeah. I think things go sideways for Chip Kelly with this with this group, and uh, I, you know I can't really see anything exciting happening here. Um, seven and seventeen in two years as the coach here. Um, I mean, it's a tough spot at UCLA. They're the ugly stepsister of USC, really. And uh, he was forty six and seven at yeah. Oregon. This is not Oregon right no. now. Um, so Demetric Felton comes back. Um, you got Dorian Thompson Robinson back. You got Osa Odigazua, Odigazua, the defensive end, um, 
had 10 tackles for loss, could rush the passer a little bit. Um, but you lost Darnay Holmes, Joshua Kelly, um, Christophany Murray. So, you know, we'll see what happens here. It, it, I don't think it's good. Schedule, no. Schedule's not super favorable. Um, at Arizona State, at Cal. They do get USC yeah. at home. but Utah and USC at home, so yeah. maybe they get a chance there. Um, they go to Hawaii. You know what? Nice trip. Yeah, nice trip. We'll see what happens. You might lose that, that game. Bet the over in that game, no matter what it right. is. Right. I don't, who took over out there? I, I can't remember who took over as the head coach. In if it's 140, I'm taking the over. <laughs> All uh, right. Colorado is next. 5-7 and seven on the year, 3-6. and six. Uh, and again, two and two against ranked teams. A part of this is the they beat up on their own ranked teams in the Pac-12 a little bit. Yeah. So Mel Tucker leaves town after kind of turning the the group around, the program around. Yeah. This and, this used to be just a layup for people. And they end up hiring Carl Durrell, who stunk at UCLA. <laughs> so now they've got all kinds of problems. But they have a good defense. Yeah, they have a good defense. That, that that's nice. That, that's important. Yes. Their um, offense last year only twenty three and a half points a game, which is not good in college football. Yeah, and their options at quarterback are sketchy. They lost Montez, and then they lo- they also lost Lavisca Chenault, who's a stud yeah. receiver. Those are two big losses <laughs> yeah. for a program like Colorado. Their their quarterbacks on roster right now have little to zero experience at the college level. Yeah. Um, they do have two guys who are really good on defense that will probably be drafted. Nate Landman at linebacker and Mustafa Johnson kind of plays a little hybrid DN, D-tackle, a little of both. Yeah. Uh, so they do have a very good defense, but that offense was bad last year and doesn't look to be getting Hey, better. they dialed up an SEC opponent, too, here in week three at Texas A&M. Yes, it's at not, Kyle Field. It's not going to go well. No. So they have – I mean, it's not even worth breaking down their schedule. They Colorado State on the road, Oregon and Utah, they both get them at home, but at USC. Yeah. Yeah, not going to be good. I I think this is a three-win team in the Pac-12 this year. Yeah, it's going to be it's it's tough sledding. I mean, your defense is going to keep them in some of these games, but not enough to really get them over the hump. So, we'll move on to Arizona, who yeah. last year struggled at 4 and 8, 2 and 7 in conference, 0 oh and 2 against ranked teams. They lost the last seven games of the season. That's not a misprint. Seven in a row to end the season. Their defense allowing 38.5 points a game. Yeah, Kevin Sumlin Yuck. in his third year now. Noel Mazzoni is the offensive coordinator. You know, they've got some names in there in the program. Sure. Um, Grant Gunnell is uh, the, you know, he, he was a he's a slinger, right? He, he throws the ball everywhere. Should be a pretty good quarterback, right? But. They got kind of caught up in between the whole, um, you know, the, they had the kid that ran the ball a lot. You know, uh, what was it? He transferred out. Good Lord. He was all excited. I don't know. <laughs> can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, it's it, this is not a program that's in a good place, I don't no. think. Um, you know, the, I, I don't know where the wins come on their schedule no it's tough you know you play hawaii at home and portland state at home i guess those are winnable games so you start with three straight at home stanford at home i i I think stanford's in a better place than you are then you go to texas tech go to ucla colorado at home usc they're 
when your when your team's not good, it doesn't matter who's on the schedule. It's it's yeah. tough to find wins. So I mean, they lost at Hawaii last year. Yeah, and now they're playing Hawaii at home. Um, yeah, it's they beat Texas Tech, um, but now they got to go to Texas Tech. Sure. I think they're going to get run out of the building in that game. So, um, not a big fan. So Tom, now's the time. Give me your Pac-12 champion. So I have. Division winners, Oregon and USC, with USC taking the conference. Okay. I, I, I'm really just a big fan of the quarterback coming back, all those weapons on offense. Uh, they always have premier players on defense. Uh, this this conference is wide open this year. You know, The favorites from last year, Utah and Oregon, have suffered a lot of losses to the NFL. Um, you know, good for them to get players up to that level that they're drafted. But because of that, it's wide open, probably more than it's been in a while. And I think USC is at that time where they have the, the freshman quarterback last year, played really well. He's coming back. They got all those weapons. It should be a time for them to step up and do it. I know people say this every year about USC. Probably not me. I'm not a big USC fan as an Irish fan. But I think this year that they really are able to – it's just theirs for the taking this season. Yeah. So, you know, when I look at it, I think that USC is a really talented team as well. Um, it's going to be tough for me to, to – I don't want to root for USC, but when I look oh, at – Oh, I'm Clay, not rooting for them. When I look at Clay Helton's record, they're 13-12 and 12 in the last two seasons, and that is unimpressive in that, sure. with that group. Um, I'm going to take a chance here that Arizona State can, can pull it together and um, – not give away some games that they gave away last year. You know, they, they had some losses that were just you, – you can't have. You know, that you lose 34-31 to Colorado. You lose uh, 31-26 to USC. You lose 35-34 to Oregon State. Those losses are inexcusable. But I think the freshman quarterback getting more experience, um, returning a bunch of really good players on that team. I like Arizona State in the south. Um, I like Oregon in the north. I like Cal as well. Let's yeah. not discount the season that they're going to have. Um, but I don't think that they have enough to deal with everything that Oregon can bring to the table. I like Shuck stepping in as the quarterback. I don't think it's a big downgrade for, from Herbert um, and all of that other talent that's returning there, as well as Cristobal's continuity now his third season as the head coach. Um, give me Oregon to win the conference again um, over Arizona State in the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, and uh, the next thing we were going to say talk about is sleepers for the conference. I have Cal as my sleeper. I really think they have a shot at upending Oregon's reign at the North. Uh, if they can do that, get in that game against USC, obviously one game, who knows what can happen. But I really like their chances. Uh, I mean, you know, you got to give the edge to Oregon. You know, history tells you that. But Cal, they really have a good thing going. They've been building on it. Uh, Arizona State would be the other one. I really feel if they can put it all together – you're looking at something but their schedule's just too i think it's too much for them to overcome this year i like uh i like utah uh jake bentley if he if he wins that job there i think is going to be really good in utah around a, a much more talented team um they've lost some players obviously so but much on defense i love kyle whittingham though i feel like he constantly has guys lined up to plug in no matter who you lose, I feel like he's got guys ready to plug in. So um, I like Utah as my sleeper here. Maybe not win that South, but be competitive in it for sure. 
And I think that's it, right? That's Tom? it. That's a wrap. Next week, uh, ACC preview, right? ACC preview. Um, obviously, more PGA next week as well. We might have to tuck in some more baseball. Uh, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll maybe maybe a little. We'll see what happens as far as schedule goes, and if it comes out before, then we'll have absolutely break down who we think it, it benefits. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, it's been a great episode. Enjoyed it tonight, and uh, we'll get back with you next week. Cheers. See ya.